welcome from Amsterdam, and thanks for tuning in to a new episode of Game Consultant. Your host of today is Reinout. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Game Consultant. It's March the 29th. It's a Sunday, and over here in Holland, the sun is shining. And yeah, obviously, uh, as you know, I always kick off with some news, but I wanted to give some highlights on what is happening with Corona and gaming. Some very, very interesting uh, reports, uh, PR, all kinds of stuff that is coming out. So, um, so around the globe, people's lives have been turning around by social distancing, the measuring. Um, we have more lockdowns to make sure that we can uh, slow down the speed of the spread of the coronavirus. And uh, some some people are actually using the, in, the isolation to explore new hobbies. I'll tell you mine, I'm actually lifting some weights at home, trying to, um, well, improve my, my body. And actually, I can do that uh, before I, I start doing emails and these kind of things. And uh, more people are doing it, um, like uh, you can do your garden. Um, but... For our industry, millions of people are actually turning to video games. So um, it's it's streaming services like Netflix that will grow. It's uh, nonstop news that everyone is getting. So everyone wants to know something about the coronavirus, the data, how many people are infected and how many people are unfortunately dying of this. So um, hundreds of folks are actually playing online battle games like Fortnite, Call of Duty, uh, but they're also buying games like Animal Crossing uh, is doing uh, record rates at the moment. They're spending more and more time on download, downloading new titles on phone and console. I mean, uh, it's enormous at this point. And I feel that on one hand, it's... Um, as a saying in, in 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 Dutch, and it feels really bad that I'm saying it, but it's it's it says uh, the eens and dood is anders een brood. One person's dead is uh, the other one's bread, and um, I'm I'm trying to temper some of the responses I'm getting from people. Like it's really going bazongus good. It's uh, you know. Um, Anyways, uh, it's, it's something I just wanted to say. It looks good. It looks very nice. And I think we all are uh, excited to see that our industry seems to be less hurt. But then, in any case, um, uh, so here's a fact. People are spending more money in games. Some co companies are seeing... Players spend up 40% more on in-game items. Um, and then people are signing up for more subscription game services too. Yes, I read that also. And when they're not playing games, they are watching other people play. Daily viewership at Twitch, Amazon service, uh, has jumped 31% up. Um all in all, I could go on and tell you more about news, but for this week, I just wanted to not talk about the news 
I wanted to talk about the people out there, the people that fight for us and with us, together with us, as much as we can, but definitely the people that are in the front lines, people in hospitals, people that make sure that every public service is still ongoing. Um, and we can say as a game industry that we're doing well. Well, here's the thought. Put your money where your mouth is. So every week we have Chris Reed doing his item about esports. And, um, well, very well. He came up with Reed Thinks, and I like it. Um, do check him out. It's Chris without the H. Chris Reed, double E. And um, he has very nice, uh, some very nice shows, live shows uh, on LinkedIn during the week. Uh, I always uh, enjoy watching him. Uh, or at least listening while I'm working. And um, so maybe you want to check it out. In any case, Chris, come on in. Thanks, Ryan. Welcome back to another Read Thinks. I want to start here. Investing in esports means more than just teams. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, teams are a huge part of the esports space. Let's let's make sure I make that clear from the top here. Um, but I think when people, uh, potentially, I guess, in the mainstream, they kind of uh, first hear about esports for the first time and start doing research, things like that, all they really see are the teams and organizations that, that make up the space. Uh, while that's important, on the investing side, it's really important to understand that there's another layer and there's another world when it comes to esports. Um, and that is the, the tech infrastructure that's creating the support for the space. It's such an important topic to talk about, and it's really interesting that you know, a lot of obviously a lot of the companies, a lot of the tech that's being built is in the private market. So uh, there's private and public companies in esports. The public companies, there's there's just very few um, that are listed publicly. So, for example, like Super League Gaming, Astralis uh, from the team side that comes to mind. So most of your tech platforms are, are private companies and most of your teams are, are private as well. So when we're talking about the investing side of esports, mostly you're talking about the private side of, of, of the industry. Um the tech startups within the within the esports space is really fascinating. What's going on And the next year or two is just going to see a lot of innovation. Um, that, that's a number of the conversations I have with, with startups that I work with, um, and just conversations in the space, seeing what what tech's being built, how this is going to create a higher floor for the industry, because some parts of the space has really moved fast, and it seems as if like the the tech support. Uh, for the experience for certain areas needs to get better. Um, and these tech platforms are going to create that. So it's just really fascinating to see what that's going to look like. So everything from virtual events for the space, um, you know, using 3D worlds on a virtual event side, uh, obviously with, with what's happening over the last few weeks, uh, the coronavirus, how that how that's going to affect communication. Also, the health and wellness of players and organizations walking them through that process of, of mental health, uh, physical health, how that pertains to their performance, and then also career longevity. Um, also, like the two dot, I call this like the two dot layer uh, for tech. So when it comes to streaming, you know, Twitch really, Twitch and YouTube streaming really hasn't changed for many years. So what's the next layer going to look like for engagement? There's a lot of really cool concepts uh, that I've talked to people about and what that's going to look like. So that kind of that two dot 
2.0 layer for streaming will be really interesting. And then also skill-based betting and gambling. Obviously, that's going to that's gonna be a huge part of the space. Um, look, regulation is coming. It's going to legitimize um, the space um, because obviously there's there's been um, – it's been rife with cheating um, and things like that. So that's going to be really important. You know, some people obviously – you hear the word regulation, and it and it uh, has a negative connotation. But I think it's going to help legitimize um, skill-based betting and gambling in the space, and, uh, and you know that also includes like fantasy, esports, and then like prop betting in game and things like that. So all that's coming. Uh, there's some interesting tech out there. I've had some interesting conversations. Uh, that's a lot of what I do is is working with startups within specifically in the tech tech space of esports. So. Really interesting stuff. Um, I can't wait to see what happens over the next, especially the next few months. Um, it's going to be really, really cool to go through those experiences. But hopefully this helps. So private versus public esports companies, how you get started at, You know, as a, pr- a private investor. I've had so many conversations uh, with angels, VCs, um, and family offices about you know involvement and things like that. And just the, the conversations around it starting to make more sense. Um, as this infrastructure gets put into place. So um, hopefully, hopefully that you guys enjoyed this, and we'll see you guys on the next Read Thinks. Thanks, Chris. And um, just a, a perspective from my side. Um, I was reading uh, the other day about investors that will get uh, seriously injured by their current investments, and that might lead to uh, a stop in new potential investments. I always look at it from a way that you always need the first investor. And um, that's what we call seed or pre-seed or even a step before, friends and family. Now, the friends and family, I think that will be cool. Uh, everyone wants to help someone nearby, close by. But then it becomes the seed or pre-seed. And a lot of times those are entrepreneurs that have done well in the past and with uh, banks being very conservative with um, with interest rates, they actually were investing more and more in, in tech. And what VCs are saying, venture capitalists are saying, they expect actually that this large group of investors, so serial entrepreneurs, former entrepreneurs that have secured some cash, they made some exits or whatever, uh, they got money in the bank. And right now, it's interesting to see if they, in the next following months, will keep investing in interesting tech companies. I believe if they stagnate, if they are actually scared to invest, it's going to hurt investing in general. And that means for any tech company out there, including esports. So, um, Interesting to follow that uh, together with Chris. In any case, um, yeah, it's it's a shaky 220, that's for sure. So I have Doki Tops of Utomic today in my interview. And uh, some people are saying, yeah, it's quite long. And um, and then I always respond like, okay, so if you're watching a Netflix ser- Netflix series of 50 minutes, that's short or something. Um, yeah, some interviews could be boring. Uh, I really don't care. Uh, there's always an audience for it. Um, so 
I said, I'm not doing this for uh, a shitload of listeners. I'm doing it for people that might have an interest. And then, in this case, specific, it's about uh, Utomic. And they are what they call the Netflix for gaming. They want to do something for indies. Uh, Doki is in the business for a long time. A lot of people know him. He has gone to conferences, has a pretty good insight when it comes to what is streaming, what is in the clouds. Uh, he's highly technical. And, um, yeah, if you're very commercial into business development, you might actually want to say, hey, bye, Ryan. See you next week. Fine. Um, but if you have an interest in the look on the future when it comes to cloud or streaming, then this next interview could be very interesting. And that's why I'm doing it. So let's give it a start. So today... Today, it's about streaming, it's about HTML5, it's about cloud gaming, it's about, it's about a lot. And um, it's dazzling, all those words. We have seen Google Stadia coming to the front. But there is a company that I have been following for a long time. And um, pre-recorded to this, um, the person that I'm interviewing today, Doki Tops, CEO of Utomic, founder of Utomic, together with some friends. He's basically saying that the concept is already there since 1996. And that's, again, what I always say and feel a lot of things in the gaming industry are actually putting, being put forward as in something new, innovative. But in essence, it was already there. So uh, Utomic.com, um, we can actually say the Spotify or the Netflix of gaming. And obviously, I will ask Doki to... Uh, elaborate a little bit more about Utomic, but also today I want to talk to him about cloud streaming, all of that, online, what is it? And, um, well, first of all, Doki, uh, no problem. thank you for, uh, for joining this. Um, top. Um, in Dutch, I always say toodle Doki when I'm uh, talking to you because it always makes me very happy because uh, we talk about everything and it goes back and forth and always about the essence of what you're doing today. So let's get down to it. Um, if you had to explain Utomic uh, to someone that okay. is a noob. All you can eat gaming, a Go thousand plus games um, in one easy subscription. <clears throat> and you get to play the games really fast because you only download a really small part to get going. And then we know exactly what you need before you need it. So it's there while you're playing. So you can start playing fast and easy with one click. That's it. Uh, that, yes. That's anywhere well, in the world. China is a bit of an issue, but uh, other than that, it's everywhere. Um, and the tech scale from slow <laughs> to fast connections. Yeah. Some, some people call this even a form of yeah. cloud gaming, which is funny. It's, it's file, file streaming or chunk streaming or how you would name it. Yeah, and and uh, so someone would actually uh, go to Utomic.com. Yeah. You can do that uh, via your PC, download. Uh, yeah, just the normal what client, are you like, client that of you Utomic, would usually right? use. And then um, uh, the games still run on your PC, unlike with uh, cloud gaming. But we'll talk about that more later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, um, exactly. 
So tell me a bit about your uh, uh, DNA, um, number of people. At, at, at our DNA, we were founded from a company that used to sell, uh, license out uh, technology that made it possible to get big MMOs to be playable faster. Um, an older version of the technology, which required a lot of work on the game. Currently, our technology requires zero work on the game. Yeah. Um, and then I think that's where we were, where we came from. Um, and we were founded from that company thinking about what we want to do back in 2000, I think 2013, if money wasn't an issue, what would you want to start? And what is the next big thing in gaming? And then we said subscription gaming is going to be the big new thing because it exists for uh, music and for film, but not for games. Part of it was technology. A lot of people have tried it with uh, uh, streaming. And we felt that our technology was more cost effective and more scalable. And that's how we started out. Um, and we learned a lot along the way on, on a different topic. Yeah. That's maybe nice, but you know, we wanted to keep this a bit more focused on uh, cloud and, and distribution. Uh, but that's more about licensing and getting the games industry to embrace a new model, which was tough. But we made it. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, if if you look at the titles, if I'm uh, yeah. if yeah. I listen correctly, you said thousand titles. That's a shitload of games. Okay. And and and, and uh, tell yeah. me about something about the games. So Any category? We, we've got I mean, a lot of. There's some genres, genres that we're not that. <laughs> Uh, good in uh, it has to do with we do everything without any uh, code change or any changes to the game so we just get a binary from uh, our partners and then we do the rest or a steam build um, I, I would say we have like it, it ranges yeah. from casual to RPG to shooters to um, anime games um, so we have a breadth of titles uh, we're less I'm going to be honest we're less good in sports uh, yep. And in racing, uh, but those are also yeah, they're niche markets. And yeah. with sports, essentially, you only usually per sport have you have a number of sports that are popular, and then there's one game that's relevant, maybe two, right? For <laughs> soccer, it's FIFA, which is owned by EA, yeah. uh, so that's a no-go area. And then you have uh, yeah. NBA 2K, but they now have microtransactions, which is harder. Then you have NFL. Um, so yeah, and then you get more of the niche. Formula One, yeah. Ah, Formula One. Yep. Recently, people are now yeah. Uh, Code Masters, we, we yes. Formula One. Is, is the Code Masters on? They are the, the lords of that game. Yeah, it, it's it's a bit like FIFA. Yeah. I think they are doing a good job with it. Big yeah. Formula One fans. Yeah. I'm gonna ask. I uh, I had Frank. Uh, I was chatting with Frank, uh, CEO of Codemaster. So I have him in the nice. show uh, a couple of weeks from now. Um, we'll ask him. Yeah, we'll ask him about it. What the f? <laughs> but anyway, so so sports uh, is that okay? Then then a quick off off question. Um, uh, any connection with esports yeah, from Utomic? I never um, asked you that question, but that's I was something just that's buzzing. Out. Um, <laughs> We do know from the past that some of the esports people really loved our platform because basically they have their core game, and then Utomic is a really quick way to find another game to play. Um, but esports, we see other uh, opportunities there, but um, 
I feel that um, we need to take our technology and do something else, uh, maybe entirely, uh, and have a different approach. I think doing esports within the confinement of subscription gaming is a bit more difficult, I would say. Um, so that, yeah. that has been my conclusion yeah. thus far, also okay. after talking to you about it and some other people. Um, but uh, it's something that's on my yeah. mind. Um, um, hmm? It's buzzing. Yeah, it's, it's buzzing. And uh, it's probably buzzing. something will come out in the coming, I don't know, months. Not, yeah. not released, but as a business concept. Or um, I've been talking to, to, to some people from Team Liquid, uh, top people. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's yeah. an interesting space and also very fun to learn new things. I would say. Cool. And then the topic that I'm enjoying because I just want to finally get it clear. And I think uh, some of the people that are listening have similar because I, it, it was a topic I was asking people like what are fun topics and, and actually it came up with Google Stadia. What is Google Stadia? Uh, how's it different uh, towards other players in the market? So, uh, if I'm reading the, the regular news, I'm hearing companies saying like, yeah, we're online. The other are in the cloud. Um, the other one is streaming. And then, uh, uh, and then you get a mix of it. In essence, if you had to make it very clear to us, uh, the noobs, what is what? What is cloud? What is, uh, what is streaming? What is the difference? Yeah. And then you have still HTML5. How how how's um, that world I'll, look like? I'll cut it up a bit. Elaborate. Um, cloud is nothing more than a server that you don't own yep. that is hosted by someone else, essentially. And then you make it, and making it a scalable cloud means that yep. you can yep. launch new servers uh, without you know calling someone to buy them for you. Back in the past, um, <laughs> back in the NCSoft days, yep. I've heard so many stories. Um, but I digress. <laughs> so that's and then you can do yep. virtual machines, which is you have one single real machine on which you virtualize different operating systems, like 10 version, 10 machines of Windows running on one actual machine. That's why they call it a virtual machine. And that's cloud. Um, streaming um, is a really fun term. You are streaming in the context of Netflix and Spotify means that you're sending pieces of data, music data to a computer that then transcodes it and plays the music. Um, with Utomic streaming means we stream in bits of yeah. code or not code data from the game and then the game runs and executes uh, and uses that data. And then you have, as we now call, uh, thanks to Gaikai, um, cloud streaming and that is when you do something else <clears throat> you stream it's basically a video stream of a game running elsewhere my voice <clears throat> yeah yeah going back to gaika uh that is when was I think that Gaika two, two eight two nine two ten was founded a bit earlier I believe it was 2008, 2007. 
Yeah, but the, they sold to yep. they sold to Sony. Yeah, so they sold to Sony, right? Yeah, and that was actually, around that, that time. I was just saying, two ten or two eleven. Much, much Sony. older than that. Um, if you from from the core How of old? it, um, the first version of Windows that has a remote desktop, the first cloud game ever played was Pashons, which is playing Pashons through a remote desktop. Um, and that was on <laughs> Windows NT4, I believe. Um, and that was in back in 1996. So yeah. you could take over somebody's system and that system would send a stream to the end user to get the visual results. Of course, it was not high performance and it wasn't meant for gaming. It was meant for doing remote supports. But I think at the core, if you look at cloud gaming, it is a yeah. remote desktop um, that runs a game and then sends the feedback, uh, the, the visuals and the sounds uh, through a video stream and gets a stream of input. Um, that's what it is. Um, and yeah. the only interface... Mm -hmm. why, why... Yeah, sorry. So why was Gaika... I don't know if you have insights on it, but why do you think PlayStation did buy Gaika? That's the first question. Apparently, there was something, I guess, then with, with streaming or cloud. And we're talking to 10 to 11 or whatsoever. And then <clears throat> it's about seven, eight years later, then suddenly it burst. It's like everyone is on stage uh, during 2019, early yeah. 20. Um, uh, to say something so about why did they get bought? Um, I think Geica, I, uh, I have some inside info. Um, our, our legal person used to work for Geica a long time ago, um, also for on live. Um, so yeah. that's a smart move for us also from a licensing perspective, getting to know that. But um, the key thing for that Sony saw in Geica yeah. was yeah. Sony had a really big problem. They were going to launch the PS4. And the PS3 had this really wacky um, architecture, um, their own processors with their own operating systems. I'm going to emphasize this because it's going to remind you of something that's just launched. Um, and then they, they really yeah. wanted to have compatibility of the PS3 titles on, going on to the PS4, right? Because if you launch a new... Uh, console, having that compatibility is real huge to get the product out there, right? To get people to buy another one. Because if, if the new one makes the, the old one useless yeah. from an architectural yeah. perspective, that was the case. So they really needed a solution. And then Gaikai uh, sold them, sold to them that, yeah, we can do that. Then we do the cloud gaming and you make racks full of PS3s that then run the games and, you know, it was a remote desktop not running on Windows but on PS3 machines and then you can still play all the PS3 games on your um, on your PS4. So that was the promise. Sony saw a huge problem yeah. and, and, and the irony is that they and, and the funny thing was Gaikai was in a really bad position. Maybe they were about to go bankrupt which, you know, there was no business model. It was Hugely expensive and making money was hugely difficult. It was an exercise in, in, sure. in uh, how do you call it, um, uh, research, R&D. 
and then they found this and they I think they did it brilliantly. They got sold for three hundred and eighty million. But the funny thing is then Sony thought they yeah. bought a solution, but then everything needed to be re engineered because there was no PS3 compatibility, of course, because they needed to build the tech on PS3. Um and I believe two years later or more, they finally got something live with um uh Sony streaming service. Um my brain is getting away yeah. from me, the name. Um Uh, okay, well, I'm blanking, uh, but no, no then, uh, the streaming well, service I mean, finally got live. I believe they invested another 250 yeah. million to get it going. Um, and then uh, at the current stage, okay. I, a while ago, there was an article where uh, Sony revealed a price cut in the service. And, and I know where the price cut came from, came from because there was another little yeah. announcement that 70% of the people were now downloading the games instead of playing them through the cloud because they preferred to just wait a little and play. So that was a, a and that's how they got to cut, cut yeah. the costs and cut the price of the product. So that's the, that's yeah. the story of Gaikai, I would say, as far as I know. So can we... Um, yeah. And then a quick in between then. Uh, interesting what you say. So the audience, the mass, basically feels I, I more secure to have it yeah, itself. Yeah, it also has to do with the quality so they were providing. I mean, we, of course, you know, we test stuff and then I tested it. And then it's like, yeah, if ah. I could choose, I would choose the other yep. version as well. So I think you really need to provide uh, an experience that somebody is asking for. Um, so, yeah, that's that has been the thing. And maybe a good one to name is also yeah. Playcast. They were one of the first ones to launch, I believe it was Playcast with a French telco in the early 2000s. They did it for casual games. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting what they did because... I'm learning. <laughs> essentially, you're using like the most heavy machine ever built, like the most heavy... Uh, servers are always cloud gaming servers or render farms, but that's basically what they are. Um, and then they use it to play the, well, simplest yeah. of games, which is casual games, which can run on almost anything on fumes because they're usually HTML5. Yeah. Hmm? <clears throat> and pl Playcast. Yeah. Was a cloud gaming service company based in Israel in 2015. Yeah. Playcast merged with cloud gaming company Gamefly. EA also had the IP of Gaikai because they did a deal with Gaikai, and many licensing deals have a clause that says, "Hey, if you get sold, I want to have access to the IP," because you know you don't want to license an essential service and then the service gets bought and then you're your core of your business is done for you. So that's funny um, as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. Funny because uh, <clears throat> they also yep. say cloud gaming services. And then they have GeForce Now. They have yeah. Atomic, yeah, PlayStation Now, a, Stadia, um, Liquid Sky. A, a streaming <laughs> service. Funny. While we're not. And for me, it used to really... 
piss me off because it's factually wrong that we are a cloud streaming service. But the funny thing is when we started to launch Utomic in beta in 2016, um, we also had a lot of, cons we, we put it on our website. We put a lot of text on there explaining that, you know, you only download a small part and then you can start playing faster. But a lot of people said like, oh, your, your streaming tech is so awesome. It really works. I have no lag. I have no issues. And I was like, I had more hair back then. I was, you know, pulling my hair like, but we're not doing that. But then it dawned on me. Hmm. And I think that has been a really big lesson on, on also as an entrepreneur. People don't give a damn what technology yeah. is delivering their product. They don't. The only thing they care about is, hey, you do it faster. Yeah. That's really nice. I don't have patching. I don't have updates. That's really nice. Um, so that's what they care about. Because, I mean, I can get angry, but they will. It's also the biggest compliment we could have gotten because people saying as a file streamer that they perceive you as being a pixel streamer means that your tech is really doing its job. Um, and, uh, I, and I feel the biggest yeah. mistake that cloud gaming has made, and I think we initially also made that mistake, is to put the, tech, put the technology front and center. Um, the technology should serve a need. Um, and you asked the question to get back to the red, you know, to the threat in this uh, podcast. I feel that Right now, for the first time, yeah. there are cloud initiatives that really are starting to serve a need instead of being just a technology play. Um, and I think is Microsoft yeah, I think, uh, cloud gaming their X if cloud? I look is, at that, it, is that one to take? Yeah, I think so because they, I, and I believe the same thing. Um, uh, cloud gaming is going to grow like the we're now at a stage where uh, 5G will increase the percentage of time where the reliability of cloud is good. Um, so it, it will become a thing. But being the only way to distribute games is a not feasible, b economically insane, because why would you? run stuff on a different machine when the local machine can run it perfectly fine. Um, you also have companies such as uh, Hatch, which stream the uh, instructions of rendering instead of the, the video stream, which is also an interesting. Then you still need the hardware, but you still get instant play. So it's, a diff it's an even different take on how you can approach instant play. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, cloud gaming uh, for me in a nutshell. Um, maybe it's good to get back to Google or yeah. to get um, because I think there has been, as you said, there have been many uh, events last year. Every because they are the ten-ton gorilla company in the world. Then. <clears throat> Okay. 
Yeah, no, no, no. I, I was listening. So the the thing is, is that um, from the perspective, yeah. from the perspective, indies, um, indie game developers, which is a large community, um, and 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 Stadia, yeah. the XCloud of Microsoft, everyone is saying something about it. As a developer, I mean, what does it what does it mean? I mean, what what is it that you have to do in order to bring your games to the cloud or bring your games to... Because well, everyone is saying, like, Apple is, is yelling and, and Google is yelling, and bring the games to us. What does it mean in terms of development process? Indie, what is it that you it need to do? What, what is game it easy? Building. Uh, do you, do um, you, the, there's yeah. basically two categories. Or um, yeah. you have... Um, we're also... We've, secret, there have secretly been already uh, some partnerships with... Uh, companies having Utomic run in a cloud because we're a PC platform and guess what cloud is? It's a remote desktop that runs a PC platform so you're going to need Utomic to run your games. With us, it means that you have to do yep. nothing once we uh, run in the, yep. we connect to a cloud service so there is no extra development. When it comes to, to uh, Google, um, yep. they have their own operating system. Remember PlayStation, um, PlayStation 3 specifically. So they have their own yeah. thing. Um, and then they have, they have their own SDKs uh, to make use of some extra features of the cloud gaming. Um, and that has made it really difficult for developers yeah. to work with uh, Stadia. That's why Stadia now has a partnership with Unity so that developers that use Unity probably don't have to do as much or maybe nothing to get uh, a game to run uh, from Stadia. Um, right now, as, as uh, cloud gaming is a desktop, is a remote desktop usually, um, the effort for a developer should actually be zero. I mean, if you look at Shadow, which basically gives people uh, a remote uh, a machine, Basically, you're renting a machine in the cloud, the server you don't own, to play your games on for a fixed fee per month. Or Vortex does the same thing. Um, and then Project Rainway also does the same thing. So if you have a PC game, it's prepared for cloud. Where the nuance comes, where you can do development, is that Bethesda has made some interesting <clears throat> technology that uh, can optimize your renderer. Uh, to really make the cloud performance faster and reduce the amount of latency, which latency is a difficult term for the delay you have caused by sending input to a server, rendering, rendering the frame, sending it back to the user. Um, they can do then special stuff to make that faster. So uh, that's an interesting thing. And some people are doing... Yeah. API connections, and this is where I think cloud gaming will become more than just another way to distribute games, but it will become a different way to experience esports. That's where you can do integrations where um, you have SDKs that allow you to put different cameras in your world, and all those cameras can generate streams um, to broadcast. So while somebody is playing you're looking at this, you can watch that play through different angles. Um, and I think 
that is something uh, of great interest for cloud gaming as well. Um, and the other thing where I feel cloud gaming will become um, really interesting is in uh, multiplayer, because as soon as you do multiplayer through a game that runs through the cloud, you do not have any of the limitations uh, of that you usually have for with multiplayer. If you have a thousand players on a server for say World of Warcraft, it doesn't work because all those people are, they need to get data from all the other thousand people. And then the, the pipe is just too small. There's too many, too many messages. But when you do it on a cloud, this server is connected with gigabit pipes to other servers. So then the multiplayer, you can all of, all of a sudden you could make a game that has a 10,000 users simultaneously in a real-time world. And that's when it gets interesting. Um, but we digress. This is more the future. This is for me the positive side that will come. It's not there yet. Uh, but that's an interesting positive side of things. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah. that's a, a more of a broad stroke of cloud gaming for me. I think there's some very big specifics, but I think you could talk about that an entire talking economics could be an entire you know, episode. Um, tech is also, I'm, I'm, yeah. I know quite a bit, but we, we've built um, prototype ones, but I think tech should be talked about a bit less now. I think it's more about what you can do with it. Uh, that makes it more interesting to me. Yeah. So, um, if 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 you look at all these uh, different kind of solutions, to me it sounds a bit decentralized. Does it mean that as a developer, I do have to reach out to all these companies separately, and then I have to work with different kind of tech teams of those um, companies in, in order to get my games in front of their audience? Yeah, that that could well be the case. Um, a lot of them don't need any. It depends on the implementation. This is also where we as Utomic see an opportunity to maybe play a role in making games available through the cloud in a more unified way where we can uh, onboard a game onto our platform with zero effort and then get it into all these different solutions because you also have Ubitas, you have uh, Black Nuts, you, you have all kinds of um, cloud providers. Um, and one of the key decisions uh, Utomic made. Um, I, I usually mm -hmm. don't talk about Utomic a lot when I'm in this type of context, but I think it's relevant now is that when we founded Utomic, we said we had, we called it the billion dollar question. It was like, everybody has a steam build. And our rule was the developer should have zero work because I used to be an indie developer. You mm -hmm. have zero You have like, you can barely breathe and have food, right? So every resource is scarce. So getting a little bit more development for an SDK yeah. is just too much work. So we said it needs to be zero work. Um, so then, and also a lot of these SDKs add yeah. zero value. They're do, all doing the same thing, achievements or leaderboards or save games or whatever. Um, so we've built Utomic from the ground up, making sure that nobody that there is an API and as, that we have, and there could be an SDK, but we're compatible with 
Steam so that somebody only has to implement something once and then we don't add any friction or any work. And also the, the integration is done by us, meaning also there's no extra work that needs to be done. And I think um, this uh, hunger for a lot of platforms to always create their own SDKs um, I think it's a way of creating lock-in, but I think it, it's anti... Um, there was a speech from Tim Sweeney at mm -hmm. uh, DICE, and he called it anti... We should stop as an industry being anti-consumer, and I, I, I really agree with him. A lot of the stuff... What Google did with Stadia is so anti-consumer because they... they the amount of content on the platform is every what's everybody's yeah. complaining about, but what it and it's also anti developer because they created this whole new SDK while they could have also used Windows machines. Imagine if Google would have said any PC game that exists out there in the world could run on Stadia. Like Utama can enable that, by the way. It's it's funny that that would be like wow. You know, and, and it's no work for you. That would be something everybody would love. But instead, they chose a path of over-engineering something, I think. So, yeah, conclusion for yeah. me is that I and think... Conclusion? Um, I think the future is looking bright for indie developers because I think a, there's more companies fighting the good fight and making sure that they have less work. Uh, and at the end of the day, there will be indies that will put their games on Stadia right yeah. now because they're getting a ton of money for it. Um, uh, I, I do believe that Google is not as loved. Yeah. When I was at DICE, people were just not respectful because they a lot of people in the games industry feel that Google just, they have no love for the industry, as they would say. They just, they come there as businessmen. Um, and there's no passion. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they're not doing it with a passion. Yeah. And, and, you know, even though we're all, there's a lot of competitors and competitiveness in, in this industry, there's a real shared passion. And I think that as, I don't know how that will impact Google. I mean, I found it really astounding that from an executive level, there was disrespect. So people were a bit laughing about it. I, I, I've never seen that before because they were yeah i think it has to do with the amount of money they spent on launching this and then the results they're getting uh, it's um i think a lot of people are are a bit peeved by the arrogance of google thinking they could come in you know snap their fingers and and, and be be awesome and yeah. Well, it, everything yeah. is a money game. I mean, it's a money game um, <clears throat> to them. Well, obviously um, it is for a lot of people, but Epic, the Epic Store is built on a lot of money being spent on getting exclusives, but it's built on money, vision, and passion. If you get what I mean, it's 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 end. It's not or. It's not just a check. Um. So I, I, it's yeah. curious how Google will develop. I mean, I think at the core of its heart, Google is tech company a service company so and not a content company but <clears throat> they're tr they're transforming themselves 
uh, with uh, Google Music and YouTube now has a TV uh, component in the US live. So let's see. I don't know. Yeah. All right, going uh, to our last question. Uh, obviously, <clears throat> we're dealing with Corona. Um, I saw um, MTG uh, who has ESL under their belt saying like, hey, um, well, online, all good. Uh, offline, uh, the event's obviously not there, no merchandise. So online is, is making the revenues look good, but still uh, it's less overall. Um, if you look today, I mean, uh, for Utomic, uh, well, obviously a lot of people can play games. But what are your expectations for 2020 for um, I think for us, <clears throat> we're going to push through our more B2B, B2B2C focus and B2B focus. Um, we're looking at um, getting ourselves out there through other partners. Um, and we're getting more and more traction there. So that's good. Um, on the Corona since Corona, activity on the platform has increased by, I believe, 25 to 30%. So um, the irony of things is that I think for a lot of game, gaming companies, um, Corona is a positive thing. Um, my approach to Corona has been only to look at it from the bright side. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot of misery out there, but, you know, you can't really fix that. I can only behave nicely yeah. um but i what i do see is that you know remote working is working a lot better um i think i do feel for all the um uh developers out there that are trying to get their uh, games demoed um i do want them maybe if they like to contact us because that's yeah. one of the things where we as utomic since it's so easy to onboard games onto our platform we're looking into doing virtual being a virtual, how do you call it, um, playground or the, the, the show floor, essentially, where you could demo your games to a select audience. Um, because I talked to some developers and they thought that would be very valuable. Yeah. So that's how we're thinking, how we can help. Um, there's no strings attached, by the way, for that. It's just uh, yeah. if you want to be able to demo your game uh, to a select audience, we can make that happen easy. Um, so yeah, Corona is, I think it, it's also showing yeah. the weakness of our society, I, I guess, and of just in time delivery and, and of globalization, but this is a total different subject. But I think people have been more positive towards one another in my area, at least. Um, I think the US is a bit of a different animal yeah. The way I look at it, but uh, I think overall here, um, I I think <laughs> it's going to be yeah. a brighter world once it subsides or you know becomes controllable because it will never go away. It will just become something that you know. Hopefully, we'll all become immune to. For me personally, I'm really concerned for my mom and dad because they are really the in the risk category. If they get it, they will have a high likelihood of you know. So that, that's a bit difficult, I would say. That is, for me, the most, the hardest. No. Uh, and also to see them, because they're basically, you know, almost locked up. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a hard time for uh, for every one of us, and uh, obviously also in in financial ways for a lot of companies. It's so uh, many solutions are being brought up, even for the issues that we have, right? Uh, So doing online events. I mean, I'm not saying there's no pain, but I mean, when you're a shop owner or when you own a restaurant, I mean that is pain. I mean, three months of zero revenue, paying rent, paying your staff. I mean. I, I don't think the gaming industry Devastating. has that yeah. kind of pain right now. I think we're one of the few that are actually get a lot of them are getting no. more revenue. If you no. already have existing revenues. games, I mean, it's yeah. So for me, it feels hard to complain. If I I know some people that are have that other issue, and I'm like, you know, we're fine. It's a nuisance, but we're fine. We're fine. Let's support all the people that have to, yeah. you know work in hospitals um, and and have the jobs uh, that are really being cut um, entirely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Doki, thanks. Uh, thanks for the interview. And um, thank you. Um, very insightful. And um, I did ask you per email to uh, send me a short description. And also, I would like to know a little bit more about uh, the platform, the stage that you can give uh, Indies uh, to showcase uh, their product to other people, which could get it. Well, can actually be quite handy right now. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yes. um, It was fun. Enjoy your lockdown. Bye bye. Talk soon. So that was all for today, folks. Um, episode 15. And um, it's going to be about uh, 55 minutes. Uh, as I said, if it's too long, then uh, apparently it wasn't interesting for you. Um, if you're still listening and you hear this, then it was interesting and I'm happy. That's all that I do care. Um, I'm doing this podcast, again, to inspire people. I'm doing this podcast to give insights and uh, trying to use my uh, network that's fun and um, but there's also one other thing I just wanted to mention and that is um, a lot of people are being hurt right now and um, uh, you know when a politician here in the Netherlands said uh, look after other citizens uh, your friends family Everyone was a bit jokey about it, but looking back on it, he couldn't be more precise. So people are getting hurt. People are uh, sometimes in situations, bad financial situations. So our industry is doing well. Games is up and rising. That's all nice, but uh, let's, let's see if we can help. And if you can, just do it, you know? Anyways... Um, I have on Wednesday a new episode, episode 16. It's Malta from Bitcraft. Bitcraft, uh, I know for sure a lot of you know that they're very active in the gaming space. Would like to know more about what they're doing, their vision, their mission, and etc., etc. So 
want to thank you for listening and ciao for now. This was all for today. Thanks so much for listening to Game Consultant. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. And remember, do share this podcast with other members of the games industry.